Welcome back to another episode of Within the Lines, the podcast where two best friends use their patent pending movie ranking scale to determine the true quality of a film. Today is Sunday, January 7th, 2024, the first podcast of the New Year tie. Mm. And today we're reviewing a film that came out in 2023, because not that many movies have come out in 2024 yet. No, there's only been seven days. The Iron Claw. Yeah. The story of heartbreak, some triumph, mm-hmm. and, wrestling. and wrestling. Yeah. And Zach Efron. And Zach Efron being more jacked than anybody has ever been. Ever. And uh, look, first podcast in a while that we've done in person. Uh, we had the holidays, had a little illness, and I feel like I haven't seen you in a podcasting ver- in form in like a month. Yeah. So uh, I believe it is exactly a month, December 15th. So well, That's, not exactly a month. That doesn't no. make any sense. This, we're still a week short of a month, but I'm excited, Ty. I'm excited to talk about the Iron Claw, and I'm also excited to update you because I did tease on our last podcast that I was going to go to a wrestling show. Oh, that's Before right. we recorded the wrestling podcast, so yeah. I, I got some some updates for that. I can't wait. This is going to be fun. Skin of the 60% show. Sixty percent of the time, it works every time. Don Samos. What? We just become best friends. Yep. I don't feel so good. Smash! I'm not fucking leaving. <laughs> The Von Erich brothers have always been driven by their father to become the NWA champions of the world, but their self-proclaimed family curse has always stopped them as soon as they get close. Oh, that's a good one, Ty. Yeah, I was feeling it. That is a good one. So, I teased the wrestling show. I am a wrestling fan. I'm all the way back in. Yeah. I My TikTok ratio is like 60% wrestling, 40% everything else. 20% like dealership. I, they just know I work at a dealership now, and I just get mm-hmm. car dealership TikToks. Mm-hmm. It's wild. They, they know everything. Yeah. I, I've, I've fluctuated as a, rest, as a wrestling fan in my life. Obviously loved it as a kid. Went away from it. Middle school. Ooh, that's boring. Got kind of back into it high school. And then CM Punk left. Stopped really watching it. And then I'd say about, I don't know, five, six years ago, maybe a little bit less, Like I started casually watching it. Didn't keep up with the storylines at all. But since everything was on streaming now, I would uh, just like watch like WrestleMania or Royal Rumble. Royal Rumble's always been my favorite, even when I wasn't watching wrestling and I didn't know half the people. I'd watch Royal Rumble just because it's it's always a cool show. The reveals, yeah, who's coming out? That's happening in like two weeks. I'm pumped. Yeah, um, the, the fuck ups where John Cena and Batista hit the floor mm-hmm. at the same time when they're not supposed to. Not planned. It's the best. I'm all the way back in. Uh, I'm not into the point where I'm watching every single weekly episodic wrestling show. But I've watched more episodes of Monday Night Raw in the last month than the previous 10 years combined, which is two. Wow. Um, I'm back in, Ty. I'm a wrestling fan. Yeah. And I went to a wrestling show. I saw this wrestling movie. Wrestling's never been hotter. Everyone talks about the Attitude Era. This era is hotter just in terms of how much money they're making, how big it is. The crowd reactions. It's fucking huge right now. It is, which is wild because I feel like they don't have as many stars as they used to have. See, that's what you think. But, like, right now, if you're in the fold... There's a lot of guys who are really over right now. That's the thing, is if you're in the fold. Mm -hmm. I feel like everyone knew who the fuck, like, the Attitude Area wrestlers were. I think that's a little bit of, like, we only knew them afterwards, so then they became bigger stars. But, like, because it just feels like those guys probably were household names. I mean, we weren't fucking born for most of it. I do think it was more part of the culture, but I, I still think, I mean, a lot of people know who Roman Reigns is. Yeah. He's been the top dog for a while. Yeah. Uh, everyone knows who The Rock is. He's back. Yes. Don't know if you saw that. <laughs> yeah, I did. Yeah. Um, so, two two stories. I guess I, I'll tell The Rock since I, I did, already... Real quick with The Rock, I just love the fact that his new costume is just showing up as Dwayne Johnson and wrestling in that outfit mm-hmm. versus trying anything else. Mm-hmm. Cracks me up every time. <laughs> um, speaking of The Rock, so I went to a wrestling show, as mentioned. I went to a house show, which is a non-televised wrestling show. They just wrestle at these shows. It's pretty crazy. They it don't never like stops. Any, no talking, no storyline. No. Some of the guys got the mic after the, the match and was like, thank you guys for coming out, blah, blah, blah. Uh, but no storylines. But uh, You just basically watched a wrestling scrimmage game, getting in the reps. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay, that's sick. Well, I had two choices. Well, I didn't really have – I could have went to both if I wanted, but I told myself I'd go to one of two. I'd go to this show that I went to, or I would go to Monday Night Raw, New Year's Day, January 1st, live from the Pachanga – Arena, not where Pachanga Hotel is, uh, but live from the Pachanga Arena in San Diego, just oh, the sponsor. Okay. 
and I was I, I was going to pick. And I decided to go to the one I went to, which was on Saturday the 30th. It was cheaper. It wasn't New Year's Day. It made more sense. CM Punk was wrestling. That was a big thing. First, second WWE match in 10 years because he wrestled like four days before at the at MSG on a house show as well. So I was like, all right, I'm going to go see my guy. Little did I know I would miss out on like some people are saying the best Monday Night Raw episode of like the century where The Rock comes back and teases a match with Roman Reigns and they have three different title matches. And yeah, so bad choice by me. Yeah, that was the you flipped the coin and it fucking landed wrong. It was great seeing CM Punk person. I liked it, but I was sitting there watching it and I was like, damn, I could have seen The Rock. Yeah. Like that would have been so electric. Most, Most electrifying. electrifying. Yeah. <laughs> Man in all of sports entertainment. Yeah. I can so, miss that on that. So I was kind of pissed. But it looks like he's going to wrestle in uh, – not even at WrestleMania. People think he might wrestle at Elimination Chamber. Have you heard oh, these rumors? No. So he teased a match with Roman Reigns, who's his real-life cousin. and Didn't a- know that. Apparently, Elimination Chamber's the last pay-per-view before WrestleMania. It's in Australia. And apparently, the Australian like tourism board is paying The Rock directly to show up at the show. That was like the rumor before The Rock – showed up was like oh they met with him and they, they want to get him involved so they might have brought the rock rock back got a country to pay for it not even to have him wrestle at wrestlemania that's incredible that's how big the business is right yeah. now so you just have the country of australia paying you to do wrestling yeah it's i'm telling you ty it's hot and i i went to the house show and uh just two little tidbits i guess from the show itself a, well three a it's kind of weird going to a public event like that by yourself i was just by myself riley didn't go yeah uh grown man a lot of adults there, though. No, I, more I than mean, I thought. But I don't know. I was just kind of like felt a little awkward. Like there's just this solo guy sitting, got good seats, thanks to my sister for Christmas, <laughs> and just sitting next to like families and stuff. Um, so I felt a little it. weird. You're like the guy who goes to baseball games just to catch the home run balls. I yeah, I felt like Zach Campbell. <laughs> That's his name. Fuck that um, guy. <laughs> yeah, Zach Campbell, not a great guy, but I felt a little weird. And then all of that changed. When the music started, two ma- a match between two guys who I don't really care much about. It wasn't CM Punk or anything, but the crowd was hot. Everyone was into it. I was at a wrestling show. I mean, I went to WrestleMania the year before, credentialed, but I was at the wrestling show. And I just felt so overwhelmed with emotion, Ty, I started crying. <laughs> <laughs> 25-year-old man sitting by himself watching a WWE house show started crying. <laughs> Not even an emotional part. That's fucking fantastic. If you thought you looked weird before, <laughs> just look over like, why is this guy fucking crying? I I don't know how to explain it. Uh, just the emotions. The only other time I've ever felt like this, another weird moment, was when me and Riley saw Wicked, and the song before intermission, Defying Gravity, is just so powerful. And, like, my body just didn't know how to handle the, the emotions at play. And like, I just yeah. started crying a little bit. Um, Who needs that's therapy? what happened here. Who needs therapy? Just go to fucking house shows. <laughs> yeah, seriously. I mean, I freaking, I don't know, man, the emotion. And then the other funny tidbit was um, I got to peek into my future because I've always told Riley, like, wrestling's the one thing I'm excited to get my future kid into because mm-hmm. that's like, I don't know, you can kind of live vicariously through them and they yeah. think it's real and all that, you know, and it's it's fun and that could kind of be our thing. But there was this little boy sitting next to me and it was, uh, I don't even remember who was wrestling. I just remember Finn Balor was wrestling. He's a bad guy. Okay. He's part of a stable called the Judgment Day. So he had his little stable guy with him, right? And you know how the bad guys, they're always up to no good He's in these Irish. matches. He is Irish. They're always up to no good. So since they're the bad guys and he had his, his, his stable mate, Damian Priest, there at ringside, Damian Priest was doing some shaky stuff. You know, ref not looking. I'm going to slap the other guy. Yeah. Um, I don't, who was he wrestling? He was wrestling someone super over. Jey Uso, who's also Roman Reigns' cousin. That's right. And throughout the course of this 15-minute match, Ty, I saw this little kid get more – and more and more angry. It started with the entrances when Damian Priest came with Finn Balor. He was very concerned it was a two-on-one handicap match and had to have his older brother calm him down and tell him, no, it's not a two-on-one handicap match. It's one-on-one because he was very distressed. Oh, yeah. I think Jey Uso was his favorite. And then, you know, the bad guys do more and more bad guy stuff, and the kid's getting madder and madder, and he's yelling and he's screaming. And finally, this kid's like seven years old, eight years old. He lets out a, fuck you, Finn Balor, (laughs) after they do something. (laughs) And I think it's his mom. It might have been older sister. I don't know. But I just heard, don't talk like that or whatever. But it was – he had a wave of emotion <laughs> overcome him there. It was a slow build. You The whole time, he, you could see him getting more and more angry. And finally, I think, like, the ref looked away, and then they did, like, a low blow or something, you know, kicked him in the nuts. And yeah. then that's when he let out the fuck you, Finn Balor. And oh, I was just fantastic. like – fantastic. I felt fa- – it was funny. I was laughing my ass off. I that's like, got to be 
the greatest compliment you can get as a heel in the WWE <laughs> is to have a seven-year-old say, fuck you. That means you're doing your job to perfection. Yeah, it was, oh, it was hilarious, man. But yeah, and then there was an intermission before the main event, and I left early because I wanted to miss car traffic. <laughs> what was the main event? Uh, Cody Rhodes versus Shinsuke Nakamura. Okay. The only reason I would have stayed is because Cody Rhodes has a cool theme song, and everyone like screams during it. But I saw that WrestleMania, and I was like, I'm just going to avoid traffic. I came... I saw what I needed to see. Where was CM Punk? Where was it at? The Kia Forum. Oh, that's mm-hmm. like pretty far. Yeah, yeah. I went down. I made a whole day out of it. I had like a Jason day. I went and played poker. My parents gave me cash for Christmas. Played some poker, and then went to the wrestling show. Why'd you Why'd you not mention how you did on poker? I lost hundred bucks. Nothing. Okay. Nothing uh, big or yeah. impactful happened in that, but didn't win. Okay. Didn't lose a buy-in though, so I'm okay with it. Sounds like that was a good time, Jay. I'm glad you. I'm glad you enjoyed it. I'm sorry you didn't get to see The Rock, but I'm glad that you still had the uh, that emotional experience. Yeah, I felt like I was back in 1983 watching the Von Erichs in Texas. Yeah. You know, everyone loves the Von Erichs back then. They were bigger than life. Territorial wrestling. Yeah, we got a little glimpse of that into the Iron Claw. Ty, I saw this movie a while ago. The Iron Claw. It came out December 22nd. I think I saw it on the 23rd because I was so excited to see it. And here we are, three weeks later, and I texted you like. Brother, we need to review, like for sure review this because this movie is special. And uh, just how was your movie going experience? Did you see this with Victoria? Did you see it by yourself? I so I told her I'm reviewing a wrestling movie. She said okay, mm-hmm. and then she looked it up and said, "What the fuck? It has Zac Efron in it." <laughs> fair and fair uh, reaction. I was like, I I probably should have mentioned that. Mm-hmm. Um, hand up, my bad. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so she didn't go, but she was upset about it. Uh, went to Cinemark. Saw it on Friday. Movie club member. Movie club member. Mm-hmm. Discount on tickets. Discount on popcorn. Uh, I also got like fucking 250 bucks in her gift cards. That's all anybody gets me for Christmas now is just Cinemark gift cards. Works to perfection. I'm going to make that shit last till June. There you go. Especially That's nice. with my discounts with the movie Yeah. Club. And if you go on discount Tuesdays. Oh, it just keeps being discounted. Bro, if you have $250 of gift cards, discount Tuesday. Five divided by. That's 50 tickets. Yeah. That's a lot of movies. That's a lot of movies. <laughs> and no online fees. And Yeah, correct. <laughs> um, no, so I went. It was still, even this Friday, pretty decent turnout. Really? Yeah. Like, it wasn't packed-packed, but it was it was a pretty good crowd. And, um, yeah, this fucking movie, man. It gets you. It, it's, and it's getting reviewed very well. Yeah, people love it. Rotten Tomatoes, 94% audience score. It has made 20... 25 million, 24.9, 25 million at the box office, which isn't a huge number, but with a budget of only 16 million, essentially, like it, it made money. Yeah. Um, and I'm sure it's going to make more money in like streaming and all that stuff. Oh, it's going to do so well in streaming. Um, Zach Efron getting some buzz for a best actor, which I mean, every year it's kind of loaded in best actor. Like I'm mean, not every year, but it just, it, there's always standout performances, but it does feel like his really good career performance kind of came out of bad times. I'm getting big Adam Sandler uncut gems vibes mm. from this where everyone's like, yeah, Zac Efron in a serious movie. Let's give him some love. And I don't want to jump to our character score too early, but let's give him some love. But then when you look at the landscape of the award, it's kind of like, well, I could see how he potentially might not even get nominated. Yeah. How he doesn't make that list. Yeah. So bummer for Zac Efron. Yeah. I, released I mean, in 2020 when no movies came out. What else has he been in where he's even had a chance to? I don't think get anything. I think this is his first like, like, chance at it. Firestarter. Yeah. Fuck that movie. Yeah, that that was a great movie. I mean, maybe The Greatest Showman was like yeah. his next most quote unquote serious movie. But I mean, nothing that's. I mean, he might have taken more serious roles and like lesser things. He did do the Ted Bundy series. Um, not a movie, but that you know was a little bit different. But it's a lot of like comedies or bad movies like Baywatch, um, <laughs> Neighbors, all that kind of stuff. So this yeah. is a big turn for him, and unfortunately, I don't think he's gonna win anything. Maybe not even get nominated. Yeah, I mean, I do. I think just looking at this as an individual thing, should he get nominated? Probably. Mm-hmm. But when you look at like a who do you drop from it? Probably tough. Yeah, I mean, just using Variety's list of you know actors he ranks ninth so 10 nominees or is I that think only it's different every picture? year I, I'm, I'm not sure how many i don't know if it's a set number or not but um last year there was five the year before there was five 
the year before there was five. The year, yeah, so five yeah. is the answer. Yeah, that's tough. And he's ninth. Yeah. So, I mean, we, we'll do more Oscar talk once that season comes. You know, I've seen some of the movies in the top ten. Some of them I haven't seen. But, I don't know. Does Leonardo DiCaprio at number six deserve higher than Zac Efron at number nine? I don't know. Fuck, fuck Leo DiCaprio. Killers of Flower Moon? Mm-hmm. Fuck that. Fuck that movie. Yeah. That was already penciled in before that movie came out. <laughs> yeah. It's disgusting. It's like uh, it's uh, the pre-draft bias. You see a first-round pick, even if they suck in the NFL, like five years later, you're like, oh, he's a former first-round pick. He'll figure it out. Yeah. It's that same thing with movies. Oh, it's a Scorsese movie. Yep. He'll figure it out, which yep. little tease for next week's episode, or should I say this Friday's episode, um, I'm kind of using that same logic for one of my most anticipated movies of the year, but we'll cross that bridge on that oh, podcast. I mean, 100%. <laughs> Everyone uses that logic, but... <laughs> Still going to give people shit about it. The Iron Claw, though, Ty. Um, as a wrestling fan, I knew who the Von Erich family was. Didn't know their story. Didn't yeah. look up their story. Told you not to look up their story. Didn't look up their story. Um, because Riley did. And I don't know if it took away from the movie. But, like, if I would have known everything that happened, might not have hit as well. I knew something bad happened, obviously. Because, like, why would they make a movie about yeah. this if, <laughs> if not? But what a cursed family. No, oh my God. And did you know that there was actually another brother who also died? Yes, who committed suicide. This family is so cursed, and this, the real-life story was so sad that they had to remove an entire death so the movie felt realistic. Yeah. That's insane. <laughs> they were like, if we actually tell this like beat for beat, no one's going to believe it. It's going to be too sad. Yeah. I think that's literally what the director said. Yeah. Like, it was already too emotionally the movie, draining. The movie couldn't handle any more tragedy. So they combined, like, two deaths into one. Which is just fucked. Yeah. What a miserable, miserable like ex- existence for this family. I saw some people, Riley included, said this was uh, Little Women but for boys. I don't know if you've seen Little Women, but not. I've seen that take a lot. So maybe I need to go see Little Women. Okay. Um, that feels like spoiler alert for Little Women. <laughs> I don't know what happens, but maybe I need to go see it. <laughs> But it's a wrestling movie, and there's definitely the wrestling elements and everything, but it's not. It's rest- also not. Wrestling is just a vehicle for part of the storytelling. It's yeah. it's a family movie. You don't have to be a wrestling fan. You don't have to know anything about wrestling um, to really understand, like, this movie. I mean, there's some intricacies in there, you know, proving, like, when he gets uh, slammed to the, the side on the, on the ring by Harley Race, and his dad's like, he's just trying to get you – see if you can hang or whatever you know yeah. what i mean like something that's not playing like there's a little bit of that stuff but they even do a little bit of explaining for the people who yeah. are like well how are you going to be champion like what the fuck does that mean and like they explain like it was like a promotion like yeah i'm doing a great job at my job i want to be the best at my job yeah yeah so not a wrestling movie well it is a wrestling movie but not a, a wrestling centric movie but still maybe the best wrestling movie of all time yes i haven't seen the wrestler with oh, Mickey Rourke. Fair. I haven't either. I've that's good. <laughs> but I know that movie got a lot of buzz, too. Best so. wrestling movie of all time that I've seen. <laughs> Correct. <laughs> Correct. I, um, which, there's been some decent wrestling movies. The Fighting With My Family movie from 2019. I know that got good reviews. Also never saw it. Never seen it. Yeah. Florence Pugh's in it. Yeah. But maybe this is the new vehicle. Wrestling movies. 98% for The Wrestler, by the way. Holy cow. Yeah. Um, Apparently a great film. Let's jump into this, scale, Ty. Let's talk about it. Plot slash story. Um... The whole movie is, is it's the true story of this family coming up and and building something for themselves. Their dad was a wrestler. Mm-hmm. The brothers follow in his footsteps and are wrestlers. Um, and then you see them kind of get more popular, start to take off, get title chances and shit. And then they yep. just all die. <laughs> you get the first brother who finally yep. gets, his, gets his championship fight, dies randomly in his hotel room in Japan before he can get the fight. Yeah, his intestine yeah. exploded or whatever. Yeah. There's theories that he was a drug overdose. The Von Erich family um, is, tells everyone that it was not that. It was the intestine thing, and it's been like a back-and-forth thing. I don't think I anyone mean, knows for sure, for sure. Okay. Yeah. I mean, there are other That's kids how he dies. died of... <laughs> in Japan. Well, no, but... his family. That's what I'm saying, but his, their other kids also died of, like, drug overdose and suicide mm-hmm. and shit, so, mm-hmm. like... Yeah. Why lie at that point? Yeah, yeah. Well, that was the first one. That was the first one. So at the time, they were like, well, this is a freak accident. Yeah. Little did they know. Could never happen again. (laughs) Um, Not funny, but. That's terrible. (laughs) Other guy gets the shot in the film the day after winning the belt in his brother's footsteps, gets into a motorcycle accident, loses his foot. Mm -hmm. Real life happens like two months after. Yeah. But it's it's a movie. It's Hollywood. Uh, Loses (laughs) his foot. And he actually 
real the real story is he wasn't even champ when he loses his foot. Like he won the champ the belt from Ric Flair, lost it like two weeks later. Yeah, and then so, then got into the accident, yeah. lost it. Mm-hmm. Then you get the other brother who's trying to fill in the family footsteps because his other brother's dead, mm-hmm. trying to start wrestling, goes into a fucking coma from a wrestling accident, toxic yep. shock syndrome, mm-hmm. um, gets and all fucked up. Yeah, mentally not all the way there. Yep, and then kills himself. Mm-hmm. And then the other brother with the bad foot tries to make a comeback. And then Does. he's the only one that made it to the WWE. Yeah, was probably the most popular of all of them in wrestling. Mm-hmm. And then hits a point where he's not going to get a contract renewal, doesn't know what to do with the rest of his life, isn't fucking. I believe in real life he had legal troubles too, which they didn't put in the movie. Yeah. Legal troubles just. He was spiraling. He yeah. Was spiraling. It was a downhill spiral, which it seems like this industry was really, really big into creating at this time. Not just for the Von Erichs. No, no, that much. Yeah. everyone. Yeah. It's, it just came with what they were doing, and it was a fucking hard industry where you beat yourself up constantly and got fucking head trauma and shit. And, Addicted to opioids. And you just <laughs> had to fucking do drugs to keep going. Yeah. And then he hits a point where he then also kills himself. Mm-hmm. Uh, they had a younger brother, died when he was six. And yes, then, have you heard the story of how he died? Shock? Electrical shock? He, so they were living in a trailer, which they alluded to in the beginning of the film. Uh, yeah, touched a the thing on the edge of the trailer that connects to the hitch. What is that called? Seven way. I think they used a different word. Jack, for that. plug. I what? I don't remember. They used a specific word. He touched it. It was like connected to electrical current somehow. He shocked himself and then he drowned face first into a puddle. That's just fucking terrible. Yeah. Yeah. So, and then again, like we mentioned, another brother not in this movie killed himself. Mm-hmm. To where Zac Efron's character. Um, which is Kevin mm-hmm. is the only one remaining of the six brothers. Yeah. Only one who survives, doesn't kill himself, doesn't die, any of that shit. And it's just fucking miserable. So he, Jack Jr., stepped on a trailer tongue. Whatever okay. trailer tongue it's, is. It's just the hitch where it He stepped up. on it, was electrically shocked, and then fell into a melting snow puddle face first and drowned. Yeah, that's fucking terrible, man. And you don't even, like, you know the, you know Jack Jr.'s deceased in this film. You see him for, like, two seconds to start the movie. And at the end. And at the end. You don't hear how it happens. No. Which is just even more heartbreaking. Yeah. So. It's literally, if you write this story, it's just like, no, come on now. (laughs) Yeah. Like, only this many people die in horror films. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And it's just a true story of what actually happened to this fucking family. Mm-hmm. And outside of all the tragedy and everything, it's very like, uh, kind of like a commentary on masculinity. Yep. And shit, and how mm-hmm. hard their father pushed them and everything mm-hmm. to fucking power through. And I mean, you get the scene where um, Jeremy Allen White's character, Carrie, is, Carrie, mm-hmm. is going through it, and Zach Efron calls the dad like, "You need to fucking check on him." He's like, "You guys are fucking men. You guys got to handle yeah. this yourselves." And then he kills himself. Yeah, and it's just very on the nose. Like, well, it starts even on a smaller scale in the very beginning of the film. He goes to his mom and he says, "Hey, we think Dad's being too hard on yeah uh, on Mike or Chris, which Mike. one's in the movie? Mike. Chris is the one that didn't make the movie. Dad's being too hard on Mike." And his mom's like, "That's between you guys. Yeah, you guys figure it out. Talk to your brothers." Mm-hmm. And it's like, it's not even just, well, it is masculinity thing, but it's, it was kind of like the culture of kind of American culture yeah. for, you know, these people growing up born in the fifties, what boomers. Yeah. Um, these boomers growing up and even to an extent, our, our parents generation of, you know, not believing in mental health and all that yeah. stuff. And that's why a lot of people nowadays have generational trauma. Yeah. <laughs> that's why it's the number one Disney movie selling point. Yeah, that's all they do at this point. (laughs) This is like the origin of generational trauma. Yeah, and I mean, you see it come all the way wrap around at the end where, you know, Kevin, Zac Efron's character, is the only remaining brother, and he sees his Mm -hmm. two sons playing together, and he's, like, crying. Mm. He's like, oh, a guy's not supposed to cry. And they're like, oh, it's okay to cry, Dad. Like, And you can see that fucking process being built up. Like, hey, this was probably a lot to do with how your parents raised you guys. Yeah. And this is fucked. And that, that scene... Jay, I cried so many fucking times in this movie. <laughs> I was going to ask you, as a father, so many fucking about times. that specific scene. Yeah, I lost it on that scene. That scene <laughs> really fucked me up. Yeah, I was I was pretty emotional too. I was almost like, 
so emotional that I like couldn't cry. Whereas in the wrestling show, <laughs> I was so emotional that I, I was like numb. If yeah. that makes sense. Yeah. The wrestling show, it was like just overwhelming almost. This, I was just kind of numb and just beaten by that point where yeah. it was just kind of like. <sighs> this movie, it's a workout emotionally. Yeah. Um, I I fucking love this story. Mm-hmm. From the the big picture, little picture, fucking good comedy moments, like good fun in it, good action, you know, good storytelling, really good emotional moments. I'm I'm at a 19 out of 20 for the story. Wow, it's fucking wonderful. It's so good. Wow. Um, I'll be honest with you, Ty. Just as we're talking, I've let this movie marinate, and as we're talking about it, I'm adjusting my score, and it's actually gone up. Wow. From my original point. Um, two points already, by the way. So if you saw my tweet about my top 10 movies of 2023, maybe change now. Yeah. Um, well, and then there was also poor things, which I saw, which we're not reviewing on the podcast. No. Might talk about it during Oscar season. Just heard great things about it. That was number two. I want salt burn outside of this. Fuck that movie. <laughs> <laughs> no, I agree with you. The story, uh, the story that's being told here is it, it's, it's a tragedy. It, it's like a real life human tragedy. And then the, the 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 plot of the movie is the the tragedy of the Von Erich family and the curse, and then the story is one guy escaping that curse and yeah. the, and you know the expectation of his father. And what what this movie did, like it had me actively rooting against the dad. Like the dad is an antagonist, and like the dad keeps saying this stuff, and like the 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 sons just accept it, the brothers just accept it, and you're always like, when are you guys gonna stand up? Like. Yeah. How are you just going to let this keep happening to you? And then finally at the end, Zach Efron, which this probably didn't actually happen, but it's a movie, mm-hmm. you know, tackles him and chokes the fuck out. of Yeah, him. I told you, you know, blah, blah, blah. And like that was finally the emotional release where it's like, hey, after four brothers dying, I finally had enough. Five. Uh, well, I think it's four in real life. Three in the movie. One, two, three in the movie. Four, four in real life. Yeah. Five brothers. Five. Total. Total. No, six, six brothers, brothers total. total. Five, five in the died. movie. Four died. Yeah. <laughs> Jesus. So many dead brothers. Um, you know, you fi- it's like four dead brothers in real life. I finally had enough. I'm blaming you, you know, and that emotional release and just I didn't know what to expect going into this. I expected a wrestling movie. I knew there was sadness. I didn't realize it was gonna be like this. And the the marriage of the plot and the story together was just to create an like a an emotional draining movie just works to perfection. Yeah. I gave it an 18. I gave it 18 out of 20. I usually save 19, 20 for like, I don't know. I'm a bird brain. Like if this movie had a cool plot twist, I don't know. <laughs> well, that's why I gave it a 19. <laughs> I don't know what the plot twist would be. I have no idea, but, um, but I, I think it was, the pacing was good and it, you never get a break either. It's just, oh yeah. The turning point of the film and how it's structured, you get like this cool, Von Eric brother montage with the it's going viral on social media. Well, you get the the first half of the movie and then you get the montage where they're wrestling together finally. And it's going viral on social media because the music that was used in it, Mm -hmm. that specific scene, you get like the montage of them wrestling. And then that leads directly into the wedding. And it's like the happiest you see them. You see the one brother start throwing up and everything, but it's It's kind of signs of what to come. Yeah, it's the happiest you see it. Uh, You see them. They're doing the dance together and then you see all the brothers and you get the last up close of, I believe, David, who was the first one who dies. Yep. And then from that point on, it's just like, here we go. Yeah. Tragedy, tragedy. Like, the, it's the way it's split and everything. It just works great, man. 18 out of 20 for me. Yeah. I mean, this rolls right into key elements. Mm-hmm. Um, this is a, it's a biopic of this family, but biopics. it's it's a fucking, like you said, tragedy. It's just a story of loss and wrestling. A little bit of wrestling. Mm-hmm. I'm going to give him credit for, because wrestling scenes are sick. Yeah. Um, but it, it just rolls right into this and, and I gave it the exact same score. I gave stories. It, it's a 19. It does such a good job of just being emotionally draining and making you feel for this family. And like you said, getting pissed off at the dad and, mm-hmm. and allowing all of this to happen and feeling for the Zac Efron character and the family dynamic of those brothers who you can tell care about each other, but were never raised in a way to actually take care of one another type thing. Um, it's done so fucking well, man. And the wrestling was cool. 19 out of 20 key elements. Yeah. The wrestling was good in this. Um, and they knew it had to be good. Like you can't make this movie and have it be bad wrestling now to their credit, uh, or to their advantage, I should say, um, 
wrestling in the 80s wasn't like the most complex yeah <laughs> thing in the world like the, the it just wasn't the same um you know just they're not as many high flyers it's not you know so it's a little bit easier but they brought in chavo guerrero brother of eddie guerrero um to train the the wrestlers in this i know mjf and AEW wrestler served as an executive producer on this he was in the film very briefly as the fake von eric which they don't really touch on in this um the story of him uh it's one of the scenes zach efron's like doing a tag oh, team and, and that guy's supposed to be another von eric brother yeah i didn't catch it that. well i think it's their cousin oh uh, okay it was at the time they booked him as lance von eric i think he wasn't actually part of the family and they're like oh it's his cousin he's coming into the industry and that only lasted like a year and then gotcha um, but he was very briefly in this but the wrestling's good in it like i said they train the guys i guess from what I, i've been watching a lot of interviews they would do like these full matches because they would just recreate the match and then the director was cutting pieces of the match what to include it wasn't like hey we're just going to do this spot and this spot and call it a day it's like no you guys are going to wrestle a 20 minute wrestling match we're i'm going to record a highlight it. tape yeah and like zach efron said there was days they would do the same match like six or seven times and it's just like by the end you're like jesus holy shit guys <laughs> like come on yeah but uh and again i don't how does this movie have a 19 million dollar budget but the freaking killers of flower moon is like 300 million yeah. i don't get it fucking ridiculous. can you imagine <laughs> this movie with 300 million dollar budget with martin scorsese well, it's the exact same movie, Martin Scorsese. He pockets two hundred and eighty in that yeah. million. Well, then he would have showed up at the end and made himself Von Eric's uh, brother yeah. or something. He would have played Ric Flair. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, I'm glad you mentioned Ric Flair, though. I gave it a 19 out of 20. Nearly gave it a 20 out of 20. But they butchered some things. Ric Flair is they the butchered worst Ric casting Flair. I've ever seen in my entire fucking life. Yeah, it's bad. I, like, I genuinely, I was like, I know who this is, but is this supposed to be someone different? I, and maybe, I mean, let's be honest. They had a little bit of an uphill battle with Ric Flair because he is the one where even if you're not into wrestling, if you're at least in the universe of it, adjacent to it, you know who Ric Flair is. You know his mannerisms. Like, I, I talked separately about Ric Flair the day before this movie. Yeah. Like, he, he's the most recognizable. So he's always going to be the hardest to recreate you know not a lot of people know who harley race is. i mean i know his name i didn't know like what he looked like or anything and they actually look made the actor look identical to the real harley race it's pretty funny but you know in the von erics and stuff like unless you were in texas in the 80s and you're you know older watching this film it, you can have a little bit more creative freedom the rick flair element of it uh i, I heard uh i believe it was jeremy johns on youtube said all these other actors felt like wrestlers and the Ric Flair guy felt like a guy trying to be Ric Flair. Yeah. Um, and once he's in the locker room and they're just talking, it wasn't as bad. But when the actor was trying to do the Ric Flair stuff, it was like, come on, guys. Mm -hmm. I don't know who they could have cast. Obviously, you're not going to get a big name for that role just because it's such a small role. It probably paid a hundred grand. You know what I mean? But not a great role. That's no. where I wish MJF would have stepped up and been like. Hey man, this ain't Ric Flair. <laughs> no, yeah, I mean, someone has to say that at some point, right? Like we got the wrong guy. Yeah, so that was the reason I gave it a twenty, and that's or a nineteen. Uh, might be kind of petty of me, but everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the Fileo Fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. It's like the most recognizable guy in this movie. At least get it a little bit better. Yeah. Please. <laughs> the one that everyone's going to know who that is and you just, you fucked it up. Just let Ric Flair do it. Yeah, fuck it. DH. I wonder, so WWE owns the footage I think now to WCCW. Like, would it have been horrible if they just used the actual Ric Flair? Because they obviously were recreating when he did the interview. You know, they're just recreating a real interview. Like, would it be the worst thing in the world if they just aired the real interview? Or does that take you out of it, you think? I don't know. With Ric Flair, I feel like you can do that. And you're like, I feel like that almost puts you more in it. Like, that's fucking Ric Flair. Yeah. And then just get the actor to do the match. And don't have him do all the freaking things. You know, just whatever. But it is what it is. Yeah. I... I I'm with you there, at least. Um, I feel like with that comes the cinematography, mm -hmm. like how everything looked, if they could have used the old footage. Because they did a certain, like, the the previews for the matches was very, like, 
the the TV graphics and mm-hmm. shit like that yeah. was very accurate to where I felt like we were watching old timey wrestling on TV. Yeah, um, they did a very good job with that. A lot of really good um, scenes and set pieces and all the wrestling shit looked incredible and took you back to that era. But then also like the emotional shit and all that kind of stuff. Like you really felt it on screen. Yeah, I liked uh, this one scene specifically is the first time David Von Erich cuts a promo um, in the interview style. Not when he's in the ring, but in the they show him doing like the interview with uh, the interviewer. Yeah. And the, the way he cuts the promo, again, I know they just copied and pasted it from something that really happened. But I was like, he's cutting it real. No, it was very organic. Like, yeah. um, there's a difference between, you know, I not every wrestler is a good actor. And actors sometimes aren't good in the wrestling you know, it's like two different things. Like in wrestling, you're you're acting, let's be honest. Mm-hmm. But you get one take. Well, in the interviews, as we see in the beginning of the movie, you actually get multiple takes, you which was a cool way to show the audience. Yeah. <laughs> but when you're in a ring, you get one take. You know, you don't get a redo. You, you have to nail it. And if you mess up, you kind of have to go with the punches. And sometimes actors can't capture that, yeah. you know, dynamic, I feel like. And um, at least when they show up on WWE shows, they can't. Um, <laughs> which is wild. Yeah, I maybe just get a little performance yeah. anxiety. Yeah, you know something I might be familiar with. Okay, and time and time again. So, <laughs> no, I liked it. And leading into the visual cinematography, man, um, this film is shot with a lot of attention to detail. Um, the dark colors and the set pieces and just the tone of the movie emotionally matches the scenes when it needs to. You know, like there's the good moments they're they're floating down the river and it's all good and yeah. there's the montage and it feels great and then when it's time to be sad the way it's shot and the colors and everything is shot you know fantastically and the music in this is a home run to me um 80s i always going to love like 80s music like that not disco music but just kind of like that style yeah it made sense with the wrestling um it, it all came together. This felt like a movie about wrestling in the 80s. It didn't feel like a movie made in 2023 that was supposed to be about the 80s. I give it a 19 out of 20. Yeah. Right there with you. 19 out of 20. It's wow. It's fucking fantastic. Everything looks good. Everything looks organic and real, and you feel like you're watching shit in this period of time, uh, which was a very distinct era, I feel like, Yeah. that you have to nail if you want to get it done right, and they do such mm-hmm. a good job. But then even like the movie making side, like the, the, I guess it's kind of goes into story, but like the brother who dies in Japan sends the postcard and then all the other mm. brothers leave the suicide notes mm. and like, the I just shots, got chills. Yeah, I don't know the why shots of all of them, like <laughs> it fucks you up, dude. And you just see those notes and you see everything and you know that it's just another fucking tragedy. You just give me chills. Yeah. That's what the cinematography did in this movie. That's why it gets 19 out of 20. <laughs> it's fantastic. And the wrestling scenes are good, as we already mentioned. Yes, it's fantastic wrestling. It's very entertaining. They don't look like you have an issue sometimes in movies where, especially sports movies. Oh, yeah. You've got a drama nerd trying to be an athlete, and it never works. All of these drama nerds were also athletes, it felt like. Have you seen the tweets? It's the wedding scene where they're dancing, and everyone's like, (laughs) Zac Efron still has that high school musical in him because he's just hitting it so seamlessly. Everyone else is like very focused on the choreography, and he's just like, just another fucking day. Like, (laughs) I didn't even know we had something choreographed. I'm just dancing, boys. I I do remember watching that scene and thinking, damn, Zac Efron looks smooth right (laughs) now. Like, his footwork, I was like. They used it in the trailer, and like, you could tell right Mm -hmm. away, like, this man still got it. He was such a good casting. We could lead that into characters like. Yeah. A, you need someone who can get jacked beyond their gills, which he is huge in this movie. I know I've said it a couple of times on this pod where someone's been more jacked than anyone's ever been in <laughs> the history of being jacked. I, we have a new number one, though, right? <laughs> Dude, maybe not. He's not the biggest I've ever seen. I still think the biggest rock is bigger. Yes. But, like, I don't know. I'm Density? Talking, yeah, I'm talking jacked. Like, yeah, he, I'm, Obviously, the rock's a lot taller, can get a lot bigger, but I'm... He's got 0% body fat. Yeah, and there's, like, different types of jacked. Like, yeah. Rock is, like, kind of, like, bigger, almost football jacked. Yes. That, and, like, I don't even know how to explain it, whereas this was just, like, like you said, 0% body fat. It's just fat. all muscle every, and so much of it. Every piece of his body was muscle. Yes. Um, You needed an actor who can get jacked, which he did. Even somehow was bigger than he was in Baywatch. Um, He makes Baywatch look like a fucking twig. <laughs> yeah, he does. Um, You needed someone who... Understood the performance aspect of wrestling, which I think he got from his past. You know, I think you cast someone who's a little bit too serious in this. Like, it, well, a, the budget wasn't very big, but 
I mean, Joaquin Phoenix is never getting jacked, but you, you cast someone like that who takes it too serious, they might not fully understand the, I don't know, the theatrics of yeah. wrestling. And I think Zach naturally did. Um, and he, it was a prove it movie for him. And I think he proved it. Like, obviously, he's a B plus list actor. You know, he's a big name. He's made a lot of money. He never has to work again a day in his life. But, like, Nobody can really say, "Hey, Zach movie can't Zach Efron can't do like a serious role anymore." I don't think that's fair to say at all because I thought he knocked this out of the park. Like we said, I mean, any other year he might get a best actor nomination. I don't think this was a winning performance unless it's a really bad year, but I do think it's a nominee worthy performance in most years. Yeah. Um like 2021, I think he gets nominated. 2022, like I love this movie. I love this actor. Was Andrew Garfield miles better than Zac Efron was in Tick, Tick, Boom than Zac Efron was in this movie? I don't know. I was going to call out Denzel Washington in Tragedy Macbeth. I never saw that movie, so I can't. Oh, okay. Was he much worse Did than you... Benedict Cumberbatch in The Power of the Dog? This is completely off topic. Did you see Denzel Washington's like top 10 highest paid actor ever for a movie in The Little Things, the movie we forgot about? Really? They paid him so much money. Tell where all that money went. Yeah. Is he much worse than Colin Farrell? In the Banshees of Inisherin, that was a good performance. Bad movie, good performance. Uh, another side tangent. Did you see my tweet about Asteroid City? I was very proud of it. No, um, it was just an Asteroid City clip, and everyone's like, "God, this movie! Oh, it's, it mean the meaning of this scene is so deep." And then people in the replies be like, "Well, what does this mean? I still don't understand it." And everyone's like, "If you don't get it, you just don't get it." <laughs> and I, I quote tweeted and said, "The winner of this year's like quote bad movie." That everyone pretends has this deeper meaning than it really does is uh, Asteroid City. Yeah. And then I said, uh, the Banshees of Inishirin are proud to relinquish the throne to such a powerhouse. Um, <laughs> Should we have that be a title that gets passed on every year in the pod? I think I will. Okay. Uh, up there, when we do our Oscar season, I guess yeah. I just spoiled it. But we'll have that. We'll have the funny movie scene of the year. Yeah. Um, which this Iron Claw does not have any of that None. because this is just a great just movie. Depression. <laughs> um, yeah, we could definitely include that. All right. That's all you, by the way. You're on that one. I got it. You do a great job of calling those out. I favorite one of my favorite moments moments of 2023 was listening to the Ryan Rosillo podcast. Shout out Ryan Rosillo sports podcast mm-hmm. when his guest comes on and talks about the Irish Civil War and how that tied into the Banshees of Inisherin. And it's like you don't know that. You didn't know that until you Googled it. You weren't watching it as the movie going along, saying, "Wow, the fucking." This the is battle the one. of freaking St. Patrick right I'm so, there. I'm so glad someone finally put this on screen. <laughs> yeah, the Iron Claw was actually a uh, it's a metaphor for the uh, changing of political tides in the United Correct, States. Correct, in the 80s, yeah. And Zac Efron's character, Kevin Von Erich, just a dirty liberal. <laughs> Slash S, sarcasm. Um, I gave this a 17 out of 20 for characters. I really like Zac Efron's performance. I thought everyone else in this was um, complimentary as well. I don't think there's a bad performance outside of Ric Flair. Um, I really like – I think Zac Efron's number one for me. Mm-hmm. I think number two is Fritz von Erich, Holt McCallany, oh, yeah. the, the father. Dad. Just an asshole. Such a believable – like covering high school football, uh, I've seen these dads. Yeah. Like, they, they still pop up every here and there. And like I was like he did it great. And he's not really a well-known actor. Like I mean he's been in a lot of stuff, but he's not like – a leading actor you know mm-hmm. so he did a great job i also liked uh, lily james in this I, i'm just i like lily james i usually when she's in stuff it's usually good and having her be the emotional anchor for zach efron's character i thought really worked in this yeah no she does great my one other note i will make is the mother in this movie mm-hmm. she looks like an older pam from the office okay i could see that she really was throwing me off I could see that. Um, Zach Efron's fucking fantastic. Like you said, he gets the theatrics with it. I do think Harris Dickinson, David Von Erich, fantastic in all of like the the talking, cutting promos. Mm-hmm. Like yep. he did such a good job of yep. playing that fucking electrifying person who gets the crowd going in wrestling. Yep. Jeremy Allen White did very good. I liked a lot of his shit and the frustrations and and he's done a couple of things. I mean, I know Hurleys are in love with him right now. Well, he's he's they've always yeah, always have been. I don't blame him. I know him from Shameless mostly, where he plays like a poor, just struggling. Uh, what about the bear? Well, I know him from Shameless okay, mostly because that's what he was on first. <laughs> sorry, and he does Stepping such a good job you. of just playing this dirty, grizzled, do whatever to get by kind of guy. Mm-hmm. And then you move forward to the bear, and he just plays this fucking grizzled chef doing whatever he can to get by. He's just so good at playing someone down on their luck. He's grizzled and... <laughs> yes. And then he just moves on to this where it's like, yeah, I lost my foot. I'm fucking depressed. 
he does such a good job. The dad's a great asshole. All of the all the brothers did good. Lily James is fantastic. I'm um, I'm a point higher than you. I'm at an 18 out of 20. Okay, I can't argue with it. Yeah. Um, and I, that's I'm I'm being very conscious to not even think about Ric Flair while giving that score. <laughs> I uh, one thought I did had. I'm glad you brought up the mom because I had this thought during the movie. I thought may she might be too big for this. I was thinking if we had the budget casting for the mom. I was thinking Marissa Tomei. I don't know. Do you think Marissa Tomei played that played that role? Mm, I think Marissa Tomei gives too, too nice. Too nice. Okay, she's too nice. Whereas this mom was just like, I don't give a fuck. To the very end, where she's like, I've got to wear this same funeral dress again. Yeah, that was sad. That was another thing you see throughout the story is the mother's, her, you know, slowly like trying to put on a brave face and brave face and brave face, and finally just loses loses it, which probably right. should have lost it on the first one. Yeah. Um, but I'm not here to tell anyone how to, um, you know, mourn their, their dead children. It's just fucked. It's all around fucked. Doris Von Erich died in 2015. Wow. She lived for a while. Did you know the Von Erich name? Cause they're the Atkinsons. Mm-hmm. What the actual origin of the Von Erich name is. I do not. So they say it's the grandmother thing. I don't know if that's actually true. It might be, but the origin origin of it is Fritz Von Erich called himself Von Erich. Cause he originally, his original wrestling gimmick was. Oh, uh, Nazi. Nazi. Yeah. Yeah. I did see that. So they left that out, which is probably a smart move. Yeah. I don't kinda of would make me dislike the dad even more. True. But they kind of did a great job of doing that without it. So you know what? No, I'm take back. I'm glad they didn't. It's a lot more organic to get me to dislike someone without having to rely on Nazism. Good point. Yeah. Get more credit from me out of that. Good point, Ty. Enjoyment. How much did you enjoy this film? This is a tough one because did I enjoy watching this? No. Did I enjoy the emotional experience? And what this movie is, and am I going to recommend it to fucking everyone? Yes. Yes, I will. Okay, so what you just gave it a score? <sighs> I'm stuck between two is why I would pause there. Mm. I think I'm going... You want me to give my score? Give me your score. I typed in my final score. This started at one point lower, and it raised as I've talked about it, because I think my initial thing after... Saints just kicked a field goal. I think the initial thing after watching it was like, damn, that movie was really sad. Like, I guess I didn't technically enjoy it that much because I was just, like, felt so defeated leaving the theater. Mm. And at the time, I was like, I still respect the hell of it. It's a really good movie, but damn, I feel defeated. But as time has sat and I can appreciate it for what it was and how much I really, like, was locked in watching this, which I was very locked in, like, I I realized it deserves one more. It's still not reaching top, top tier just because of that, like, draining – you know, the whole point of the enjoyment category is like some of it is turn your brain off popcorn movie. Holy shit. That was awesome. And I could say, holy shit, that cinematography was awesome and also be depressed afterwards. You know what I mean? So that's what the enjoyment thing is for. I gave it a 17 out of 20. Uh, 1920 is like my all time favorite. 17, 18 is like I really, really enjoyed this film. Um, you know, a movie like Mario got an 18 just because it was dumb fun. I had a lot of fun. And like, I'll be honest, I'm probably more likely to rewatch Mario if I'm just watching it by myself. If I'm showing people a movie, I will show them the Iron Claw. But if I'm just by myself, unless I'm down in my feels, I'm probably going to watch Mario over the Iron Claw just because I don't want to be depressed. Yeah. So I gave it a 17 out of 20. <sighs> yeah, I I don't know, because I'm going through my scale for enjoyment, and I have movies like A Star is Born at a 19 out of 20. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And that movie is just, again, a very depressing, seeing someone struggle. Similar kind of vibes to this. It's not a happy ending by any stretch of the... Also, ends with suicide. Um, and I have that at 19 out of 20. So, like, there is something that I genuinely enjoy about watching just heartbreaking stories and being emotionally drained. Mm-hmm. Like, that's an experience. And if a movie gets that out of me, it's going to get credit. I'm not putting it up that high, but um, I am going to go one point higher than you again at 18 out of 20. Wow. I really, really, really enjoyed all this movie had to offer. Great performances, great stories, great set pieces and wrestling and excitement and good comedy at times with the brothers fucking around and shit. Like, it really is a very well-rounded movie that you walk away just feeling like you got jumped. Yeah. Which yeah. You're going to get credit for that. That's fantastic. That's fair. Um, How much you cry in this? I know you said a lot earlier, but was it like yeah. bad, bad? Oh, yeah. No, yeah. You're not a big crier all the time. No, no. This movie fucked me up, dude. I had a couple of scenes where it was like one or two. As a father? As a father. I had a couple (laughs) of scenes where it was like one or two. And then like towards the end when like he finally strangles his dad. 
mm-hmm. and shit. And then you see all the brothers in the fucking on the pier. Mm-hmm. That just I lost it. The one that yeah, the one that got me was with the sons. Yeah. And he has the line like, "I used to be a brother, yeah. and now I'm not." And yeah. then they're like, "We'll be your brother." And I was yeah. just like, "Man, no, that one I did cry the most at that one." I was like, "Damn!" Like I said though, like I wanted to cry, but I just felt so yeah. empty inside. <laughs> no, it was, it was waterworks. I was I was all by myself in the theater again. Walking out of a wrestling movie. People maybe not <laughs> expecting that. And I was just fucking had the sweater, just wiping away tears. Uh, what was your movie, before we give our final score, what was your demographic? Because the movie we went to, like I said, it was pretty early on. I want to say everyone else in the theater was over the age of 50. Oh, no. I had I had younger crowd, for So sure. I think I got, like, the diehard watch the Von Erics back in the day wrestling yeah. fan crowd. Like, I remember these guys. Yeah. A lot of old people. Yeah. No, I had, it was actually a fairly younger crowd. There's a group of a couple of like teenagers who came in like maybe a minute late, all loud and shit, and I was ready. I was ready to go off, and then they were chill. They were locked in the rest of the movie. Um, there's a couple families, not like little kids, but like older kids and and parents going and shit. So definitely not like all older. That's kind of weird. It's funny you mentioned the teenagers. Uh, little aside again before we give our final score, we saw Poor Things, and we sat next to this couple who. Wasn't like the first date couple where he was emotionally intelligent and stuff, but mm-hmm. they took the Stuber route a little too extreme. They were enjoying the movie too much. It kind of took me out of it a little bit. Oh, yeah? Like, they were like, I think they were trying to prove to the rest of the movie crowd that they, like, knew what, what was going on. Like, they would laugh at stuff, and because Poor Things is, like, it's a comedy, too, and, like, yeah. uh, they would, like, laugh extra hard and, like, stuff that's not funny. And at one point, the, the guy next to me literally slapped his knee, and Riley, I was like, what's so funny and riley like whispered like it's literally a knee slapper and that made me laugh because i he was literally slapping his knee and i think you heard riley because i didn't see him slap his knee after that oh no <laughs> so can he slap it. shame somebody and then as we're leaving the theater we leave the theater we go in the lobby whatever we use the restroom we leave they're leaving right in front of us they hold both doors open for us oh grand ant exit yeah and they're uh, they like they held both doors open and they said like the girl said like vip service or something after we said thank you and i was like god damn those were like nice people <laughs> just enjoying their night <laughs> and we were really making fun of him for knee slap really fucked it up oh what a dick uh yeah, you're an asshole the iron claw 90 out of 100 for me and even 90 this is this is one of the higher scores i've given i gave it a 93 out wow. of 100 giving us a combined score of 91 and a half, making wow. this the 12th ranked movie out of 211 films we have reviewed. It is with the likes of Everywhere, Everything Everywhere All at Once, and Anchorman. Tied, yep. Uh, Inception, Fablemans. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's in the elite tier. Yeah. It really is. This is, this is about as good as it gets. Up above a 90, there's only... 15 things we've reviewed that have gotten a 90 or better. Less than 10% of the movies we reviewed. Yeah. This is this is top, top, top tier and movie. Some of those reviews were intentional. We went back and watched old movies that we know are really good for March Movie Madness. Yes. Yeah. Anchorman, Inception, Wally, Django, uh, Wolf, of Wall Street. Wolf of Wall Street, Technically Infinity and War. Infinity War. Movies that have come out since we've done this. To get a 90 is Oppenheimer, Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3, Marcel the Shell, 1917, Spider-Man No Way Home, and Across the Spider-Verse. Exact same score. Everything all at once. Everything, everywhere all at once, and the Iron Claw. Not counting Hamilton. Technically not a movie. Not a movie. Which then means there's only 14. It is a movie, but not a movie. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, This this movie is is fantastic, man. It was a great watch. I, I honestly didn't know much about it before we put it on the schedule Mm -hmm. so glad it got added yeah because this was very enjoyable great movie everyone should go watch it even if you don't like wrestling you glad i told you not to look up the story of the von erics beforehand oh yeah yeah (laughs) because like the first one happens and i'm like damn that's sad like how are they gonna recover and then it just keeps (laughs) happening yeah yeah and then the guy loses his foot and i'm like fuck that sucks for him yeah and then by the end of the movie i'm like oh no (laughs) Yeah. It just keeps getting worse. Yeah, man. Crazy. The one kid's a musician. I'm like, maybe he's going to say, fuck you, dad. Fuck, take off me, musician. No, he's going to try to wrestle and then kill himself. Mm-hmm. Hurt his shoulder. Routine surgery going to septic sh- shock syndrome. Yeah. Toxic shock. Yeah. Smartest thing Zach Efron's character ever did was not give his kids the last name Von Eric. Mm-hmm. 
Which technically, that's another thing about the movie. Uh, technically, none of them had the last name Von Eric. It no. was just a stage name. So, like, yeah. the hospital never would have actually thought that they wanted their kid's name to be yeah. Von Eric. But whatever. That's just nitpicking. Still did good for the movie. It did do good for the movie. I but ain't in real life, on this curse. unnecessary scene. Yeah. <laughs> it's like The Undertaker. Like, oh, you didn't want to name him Undertaker Jr.? <laughs> no, I didn't. I actually didn't. <laughs> <laughs> All right, next week. Hold Jay. on, hold on. What else do we, we have? Our oh, AI I got statement. AI. I'm all fucked up. I got a new name for this. Little, bu- hold on. Little behind the scenes shit. We're recording back to back, so I mm-hmm. was. I'm all on a fucking twist here. I'm gonna call our AI segment. Sometimes it's synopsis. Sometimes it's whatever. I'm just gonna call it now. Can AI do our job better than us? Oh, because you always complain about how, no, how terrible AI, as of AI the, is. The result is no so far. I told ChatGPT to create five wrestling tag teams out of fa- famous – why are you – oh, you, you at the Saints game? game? I'm sorry. Uh, create five wrestling tag teams out of famous animated movie characters and explain their strengths and weaknesses. I will give you the names, the strengths, and the weaknesses, and you can guess who it is. What do you mean you're giving me the names? They No, they have a tag team name. Oh. Mm-hmm. Like the – Strengths and weaknesses. Animated characters only. Yeah. Now, are these animated characters that normally interact, or is it just a full, wide open? Wide open. Okay. We're going to call this one the Dynamic Tune Duo. Their strengths. We'll go one by one. Versatility in combat styles. Tag team partner's wit. I'll just say partner one. Partner one's wit and unpredictable antics paired with partner two's agility. And then their second strength, psychological warfare. Partner one's ability to mess with opponents' minds combined with partner two's eerie presence. Their weaknesses. What the fuck? <laughs> over-reliance on mind games. Okay. Tyler might feel a little personal right yes. now. Yes. <laughs> they may be susceptible to opponents who are immune to psychological tactics. And their second weakness, a lack of raw power. While skilled, they may struggle against physically dominated teams. Ty, any <sighs> guess who this... What's animated the, tag team duo name is. Name of the team again? Dynamic Tune Duo. Dynamic Tune And duo. I will say, I think all these are movies except, okay, technically, they're all movies. Well, th- this guy's in a movie too. One of these tag team characters is more known, I think, for his cartoons than his movies. Okay. Well, I'm, my one guess is Bugs Bunny. Okay. I feel like he's mind games. He fucks with people. Tune, obviously. Mm-hmm. I don't know where to go with the other one here. I'm thinking like Mickey Mouse, Tom, or Jerry. Mm, maybe. <sighs> you know what? I'm going Mickey Mouse, Bugs Bunny, final guess. Mickey Mouse and Bugs Bunny. You get half a point, Ty. Bugs Bunny yeah. is in it. Okay. Jack Skellington is his tag oh my team God. partner. Yeah. Which, it's fair. They they are don't have a lot of raw power. No, no. Very, very skinny team. Lowest tag team weight probably ever. Correct. Tag team number two, the Pixel Powerhouses. Okay. Their strength number one, animation manipulation. (laughs) Partner one's reality bending powers and partner two's ability to smash through obstacles. Their other strength is comedic timing. (laughs) Partners one's humor paired with partner two's brashness can distract and entertain the audience. (sighs) Weaknesses, partner one's restrictions. Depending on the rules, partner one, partner one's powers may have limitations, making them vulnerable. Partner two's predictability. Opponents who can anticipate partner two's straightforward approach may exploit it. Tyler, who are the pixel powerhouses? Dude. <laughs> Going pixel. I'm thinking like arcade games here. Okay. I'm thinking one's Wreck It Ralph. Okay. I don't know I don't know what the fuck's going on with the other one. The only thing I can think of sticking with games is Pac-Man. Wreck-It Ralph and Pac-Man. Mm. Straightforward approach. Pac-Man just follows the little dots. Mm. It's a real one-trick pony. Depending on the rules, if it's wide open, he, he may not do well. <laughs> He's going against Ghost. Okay. How'd I do? You got half a point. Ralph Fuck. is partner number two. Partner one with his reality-bending powers. Yeah, no idea what the fuck that meant. The genie. <laughs> okay. The genie. How the fuck is the genie pixel? I don't know. I, again, we're asking his chat GPT better. No, they're not. Okay, this one you might be able to get just from the name. Okay. Number three, the Kung Fu Critters. Kung Fu Critters. Strengths. Martial arts experience. 
expertise, sorry. Partner 1's kung fu skills complemented by Partner 2's swiftness and swordsmanship. Team Synergy. Both characters share a background in animated martial arts films. Weaknesses. Their size difference. Partner 1's larger size may be a disadvantage in terms of agility compared to the smaller Partner 2. Limited ranged attacks. They may struggle against opponents with powerful long-range abilities. Who are the Kung Fu Critters? <sighs> Obviously, Poe. Kung yeah, Fu Panda. Uh, yeah. <laughs> but what's the smaller sorted one? Smaller sorted <laughs> animated character. <laughs> I'm trying to think, like, who has a sword? Mm. Is this a movie? Cartoon. Give me movie cartoon at least. Movie. I was thinking like one of the turtles, one of the ninja turtles, but they're about the same size. Mm. I I don't know. We're gonna go we're gonna go Poe, Kung Fu Panda, and Mushu from uh Mulan. Mm. Mushu. Mushu have a sword? No, but I couldn't think of anything else. He was small. We have the Kung Fu Critters tie. Poe and Puss in Boots. Oh, son of a bitch. I was thinking like big sword, not pointy sword. <laughs> Another half point for you. I'm killing it with the half points, though. I keep having, having to ask it to create more because some of them are from the same movie, and that's not as fun. But I found another one. Okay. I'll save this one for last because it's a three-man tag. Oh, shit. <laughs> I don't know why that one is a three-man tag. Number four, we have – where'd it go? Uh, where did it go? Sorry, this is great radio tie. Number four, we have fast and ferocious. Their strengths, super speed. Member one, uh, Partner one and partner two's incredible speed and agility. Quick strikes. Their ability to dart in and out of the action gives them a hit-and-run advantage. Weaknesses, law, lack of raw power. They may struggle against physically dominant teams and uh, potential overconfidence. Relying too much on speed could make them vulnerable to well-timed counterattacks. Who are the fast and the ferocious? I don't know the little, the little fucking speedy. Oh, speedy Gonzalez. (laughs) (laughs) We're going to go speedy Gonzalez and uh, Disney's bolt. Miley Cyrus. Oh my god. Oh for two tie. I don't know. I don't know. Bolt's not even the most famous fast Disney character. We have Dash from The Incredibles. Dash. And this one's kind of cheating. I think I'm stuck on animals. He's technically animated, but I think you're going to maybe throw a challenge flag to this Flash. Grandpa Dave style. Sonic the Hedgehog. Mm. You did guess Pac-Man though, so I guess yeah. you kind of already No flag's going to be thrown. I'll accept it. Number Fuck. 5. The trio. Okay. Called the Robot Rumble. Their strengths, technological prowess. Okay. Partner one's resourcefulness. Partner two's medical expertise. And partner three's sheer power. Versatility. The team combines strength, intelligence, and adaptability. Their weaknesses. Their vulnerability to hacking. (laughs) Opponents with technological (laughs) skills may exploit weaknesses in their programming. And their emotional susceptibility. Partner one and partner two, not partner three, may be affected by emotional factors during a match. Okay. So two of the three are have emotional susceptibility. Who are the robot rumble? We're going to go Baymax from Big Hero 6. We're going to go Iron Giant. Okay. As one. And then as the other. It sounds like they're all robots. If they do two robots and something <laughs> else, they're really fucking with me here. And I don't know what I'm supposed to do with that. They did say only partner one and two could be hacked. No, only partner one and two are affected by emotional oh, emotional. Factors. They call oh, that's right. They could all be hacked. Mm-hmm. What's a cold hearted? I have no emotion robot. Mm. <sighs> Feels like most robots. <laughs> that's. I think I chose like two of the rare robots who do have emotions for my first two. Well, just to workshop it a little bit. Usually, robots in animated movies they're going to give them emotions anyways. But yeah, I don't know going wally number three mm. fuck it you saved the best for last ty you named all three yeah wally baymax and iron giant they let's said let's fucking go they you're, s- you're downplaying how fucking hard that was 
Out of every <laughs> robot in any animated anything, I just fucking laid out those three? I That's didn't incredible. Think, I didn't think you'd get the Iron Giant. He's not even the one who's emotional, emotionally susceptible, according to this. I've never seen Iron Giant. I haven't so. really either. I thought he was kind of like a sweetheart, though. I don't know. <laughs> Vin Diesel. Isn't he the Iron yeah. Giant? Yeah. yeah. Um, That's th- incredible. Good job, Ty. That counts as a win for the entire thing for me there. Well, can AI do our jobs better than us? No, fuck AI. <laughs> what are we doing this Friday, Ty? Next episode. Next episode. Jay, it's a new year. We finished out with the movie from last year. Before we jump into the 2024 slate, we're going to do a preview. Yes, we are, sir. Full preview of upcoming movies, most anticipated, maybe special categories. Of predictions. Predictions as to what's to come, what we think will happen with the, the movie industry this year. Um, Speaking of, I have to change one of my predictions because oh. I was just told that the movie came out in 2025. <laughs> but I have a backup. Can you just, you want to say that movie? Snow White. Oh, mm. yeah. yeah. I didn't see that on any of my list. If I did, I would have made some predictions about that movie. Here's a little spoiler. I predicted it to be the, quote, movie that loses the most money. Fuck yeah. Uh, because it's hard to make money when your lead actress hates the, the film cannot, more than anyone else. Cannot fucking stand the movie. <laughs> so that, if you remember this a year from now, that'll be my pick in 2025. Yeah, that'll carry over. <laughs> People love actors who read the source material, really enjoy it. She said, fuck that. I can't wait. It'll be a lot of fun talking about all the good stuff we're going to watch next year. Yep. And, uh, yeah, you got anything else yet? I do not. All right. In the meantime, be a good friend, everybody.